there is still hope that despite how negative things are in your personal life or in the world upon which we live, that there are still people out there who are striving for excellence. There are still people out there who believe in the impossible. There are people out there like yourself who say, I see what's going on. I see the deficit. I can't change the whole world, but I'm going to do yeah. something. Try this bad boy emphasize. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone. A certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. Welcome to the decision table. This is just how we roll. We just sort of have a conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So what was the webinar you're on? You started a loop in my brain there for a second. Um, I was uh, doing, getting some speaker training, just some more in-depth training on, you know, assessments and things like that. Boring stuff. No, it's not boring. So tell me, what was a new technique that you learned from that? Well, actually, I'm, I'm in training right now. So just really learning how to like properly read assessments. So if you give somebody assessment, how do you read mm. it? And then how do you take that information and regurgitate it back to them where it makes sense to kind of help them go to the different areas of their life that they need to improve or the apex of the greatness or so on and so forth. So it's a learning curve, but I'm getting there. Okay. So come on, what did you learn? I want to know. Just pretty, pretty much just how to read the assessments, just, you know, the pie charts and when you get certain data, just how to read it properly. And it's, it's like pretty really intense, right? That data is really intense. Yeah. Yes. I'm with you on that. Yes. So here's the thing. I've just completed some study. And one of the reasons normally I have the decision table on a daily show and I sort of put it on hold a little over the last couple of weeks because I've been doing global business studies through Harvard and it's been so intense. All the data that you've got to read and pretend that you know all these answers to and predict what you think will be the outcome from and you've never been taught that or learned it before. So I get it. It's very yeah. different. Yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> and it is. I learned all about those pie graphs and many different numbers and percentages. And I go, you know what? Wasn't that excited about math and class when I was a young girl? So I stretched my brain, which is not a bad thing. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I feel not the same. Well, I, wasn't, I wasn't a math person either. So. Okay, and also to put a piece in there, I'm also very dyslexic. And so I've had to learn how to sort of gain strategies around figuring out that there's always a solution to something. And so when someone's asking a question, I must be able to find the pathway to that solution. And it was really funny doing that in study this time. I do it all the time with clients, but doing it with study was really quite an intriguing thing. So anyway, there you go. I've been doing some study. You've been doing some learning. So this is a good thing. I'm excited about you being here on the table. Where Thank are you. you at this moment in life, like in, as in location-wise? I'm in Columbus, Ohio, which is located okay. in the United States of America. It sure is. And I miss the United States of America. I really do. I have over the last few years spent many, many hours, many days in the US and the last year or so, of course, our borders are very tightly closed and I'm feeling it. So yeah. love having you in the house today. 
Thank you so much. Honored to be here. Honored to be here. Yeah. So here's one thing. I'm with the decision table over the next sort of month. The theme I kind of want to throw out there is ownership. I think that if we use a lens of ownership, that will change our decisions at the table. It will change our way we ask questions, what we do. What is when you hear the word ownership? What does that mean for you? Um, having ownership over something physical, something tangible. Mm. Ownership over something intangible, like emotions, thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. If you actually own something, you have control over something. Something belongs to you. You have okay. life over something. Love that. So if you think about that, then in what you do and what you think, how do you take ownership? Personal? I don't know. You tell me. Now you say taking ownership, but what? Can you give me an example of what you mean? No, because then I'm putting words in your mouth. I want to <laughs> hear what's going to come from you. This is, by the way, welcome to the decision table where anything can go. There is no right or wrong. It's whatever. I just want to hear what you're thinking. Okay, so reframe the question one more time. Uh, sure. And ask it one more time. <laughs> when you hear ownership, when you think of that as a lens, what does that mean for you? What does it mean and what you do and who you are, what you bring, what you think others may bring or need to bring? I don't know. You tell me. Gotcha. I mean, well, personally for me, when I think of mm. ownership, I think of having control over my life, um, mm -hmm. having control over my decisions, understanding that I can own this thing called happiness, that I can own my own personal freedom. Uh, despite how I was raised, despite foster care, despite, you know, the sexual abuse as a kid, despite mm. walking out of school in the eighth grade, despite all those setbacks, yeah. Mark Anthony Garrett still is worth something and he still has ownership over his life, which simply means I have control over my life. And depending mm. on how I'm and my surroundings, I can take my life in any direction that I want to take it. And that, that's what it yeah. means. You know, there's so many people, myself being included in this, who have either been adopted, fostered. I've gone through many families. I've got a huge history in that way. That was a big part of my story. And I so relate to the abuse side of it as well. But there are many people that don't choose to take that somewhere, go somewhere with that and, you know, end up either in devastation or not alive to this day, right? A stat. So where did that choice for you what determined that you were going to make something of yourself or where you knew that you were actually worthy of something? Where did that come from? July 28, 1986, I held a 9-millimeter gun to my head, ready to commit mm. suicide, ready to blow my brains out. And yeah. as I'm standing there trying to make this decision, what is yeah. suicide protocol? Is it here? Is it in the mouth? Is it at the side mm. of the head? Well, for some reason, Kyrie, I decided on a temple shot. And mm. so I remember I put the gun to my head and as I held the gun to my head, I kept on hearing this voice that was behind me saying, breathe, but there's, there's nobody in the room. And it was the mm. voice of my third grade special education teacher who's talking to me, but she's not there. And I'm like, yeah. I've seen her since third grade. What's going on here? And I remember I would put the gun back to my head to pull the trigger and I would hear her voice say, breathe. And last time I'm looking around the room and I'm like, something's crazy. I'm going to do it. So I took a deep breath. <sighs> Miss Richie, I'm so sorry. 
but mm. I'm a little, I got to do this. So I'm putting the gun to my head and yeah. something taps my wrist. And when something tapped my wrist, the gun's here. I'm standing up. I can't move. Yeah. I can't move. I can't move anything on my body. And then all of a sudden, the room starts getting dark. Now, it's July 28th, 1986. Outside, it was bright. It was a sunshiny day. But all of a sudden, it was like a thunderstorm was coming, and everything in my room got black, jet black. Hmm. Well, there I am standing with a gun in my hand. I can't move. It's pitch dark. I'm trying to scream, Hmm. but I can't scream. And then out of my window, I see like this little light coming. It gets bigger, bigger, bigger. And then all of a sudden, if you go back in time, remember when we were kids, the old style movies? Five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, it, yeah it I like, don't remember it, that because that, that's another generation. Just kidding. Right. <laughs> so this clock is going down five, four, three, mm. two, one. And then all of a sudden, a movie pops up and it's me back in the third grade and I'm having what I call a spaz day. This is one of those days where I'm breaking pencils, I'm tipping over tables. Yep, and just I'm losing it. it. Yeah, I'm losing it. And mm. I'm watching this movie as I'm in suspended animation, can't move. And I'm spazzing out. And my teacher, she comes and she grabs me ever so gently, takes me out into the hallway. She slides down the wall. She puts me in her lap and she starts rocking me and she's rubbing my back. And as she's rubbing my back, she was saying, breathe, Mark Anthony, mm. just breathe. I was hyperventilating. <gasps> and I'm watching this movie and I'm seeing her rub my back and telling me to breathe. And I'm seeing myself calm down. And then all of a sudden I had an epiphany. And the mm. epiphany was that what I need to focus on is my breathing. Now, I want to kind of paint the illustration here. When we come into this life, we come in wanting to breathe. When we leave, we take our last breath. I think what we do, that's that's us. But I had the epiphany that I didn't know how I was going to kick the gangs. I didn't know how I was going to build a better relationship with my father. I didn't know how I was going to kick the drugs. I didn't know how I was going to deal with the depression. I didn't know how I was going to deal with being ashamed of myself. I, yeah. I didn't know I was going to deal with the death of my foster mother when I was 14. So mm. I said to myself that I don't know how I'm going to fix this. But if I can focus every day when I wake up, if I can yeah. just focus on my inhale and my exhale, maybe mm-hmm. life can work itself out. So mm. I made that analogy. I had that epiphany. And then all of a sudden, this poem came to me by, by Robert Frost that says, Somewhere ages, ages, hence two roads diverge in a wood, and I chose the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Yeah. And when I when that poem came to me, Kyrie, I said to myself, I says, I don't want to die, I want to breathe. Mm. And so my decision, something hit my wrist, and all this electricity just started going through my body, and I got movement again. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the room goes from pitch black to light, like nothing had ever happened. And Mm -hmm. at the end of that, I had the gun in my hand. I threw the gun across the room and I collapsed. I got into a fetal position and I cried like I've ever cried before. And I said, God, you're going to have to do something because I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And in that moment, something says, get up. And when I got up, that was July 28, 1986. I've been there ever since. 
Not saying that life has been grand, not saying life has been peachy. Oh, you mean it's just a red roses all after that, huh? No, no, no. But I'm, but listen, I'm still breathing. I'm still you here. You are, I'm and I'm so grateful you are. Oh, Thank my goodness. So, so grateful. But here's the thing. You got to that stage because things got so horrific in your world that you go, there is just no hope. How did it escalate to that point? What was it that got you over that? Like as in to that point that you had that gun in your hand? I think everything that had happened in my life up to that point, my mom was 24 when she had me, my biological mother. And at that time, I'd never met her. So yeah. I was an individual trying to figure out who am I really? My yeah. adopted parents were, they did the best they could, but they were much older. My adopted father was born in 1918 mm -hmm. and my adopted mother was born in 1930. So I was yeah, kind of right. raised with old school rules, old school values. My yeah. father was the type of guy, he was a provider, but he was not the emotional type of guy. He's not the huggy feely. He didn't tell me he loved yeah, me. So that connection piece, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Then mm. there was sexual abuse Yeah. Um, at the hands of, of a teacher, someone that I trusted, someone that- Isn't that interesting was, though? That voice that you heard was from a teacher. I know it was a different one, but it was from a teacher. Right. I find that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So all this stuff had happened. And so I, I had been through that, the sexual abuse. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of domestic violence in my house. My mother just has some issues, some mental issues. And so there was a lot of fighting. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, physical abuse toward me. Passed away at 14, more trauma. Then mm -hmm. I dropped out of school. I'm in and out of gangs. I'm doing drugs, trying to sell drugs, in and out of juvenile correction. And at the same time, I'm losing a lot of my friends to gun violence and gang violence. Can I just stop you there for a second? Sure. So I so relate to a lot of what you're saying here right at this moment. You know, I was born and I was born to a 16-year-old. And I've actually never met my birth mom at all. And so I was adopted out. I waited two weeks for someone to come and pick me. And mm. then I went in and out of family homes. What was it, you know, and with that abuse as well, I so related. Mine started as a baby in a cot and went through many, many years of my life. And, you know, I don't really talk about a lot of that side of it because, A, because I love talking about the other side of life. Mm -hmm. But I think that and all that we're doing now, and to me that's just so exciting to be able to go, hey, I get to breathe another day and I get to help other people. And that's why I went through this not to sort of dwell in there, but I think there's some lessons that we can learn from some of this. I think that it helps to build who we are today, that we wouldn't have this resilience in us if we hadn't have gone through some of these things. So I think that it's actually, and normally I don't even press in on this, but I think that today it's kind of good if we go, what was that moment that you go, you know what, I've been through all of this, now I'm going to go and get and be a part of, you know, gangs, drugs, you know, stuff that you know that is not going to be valuable to your life, but you choose that as that choice right then. Do you remember, do you know, looking back, can you think why was it that you didn't just go from that moment, oh, this really sucks, where's that gun, let's do it now, or this really sucks, I'm going to make something of my life. Why did you choose gangs? Why did you choose drugs at that point? Where were you thinking? At, at that point, uh, escape. 
escape yeah. the reality mm. of, of the trauma that I'd experienced and not really knowing how to deal with it and not having the resources. You know, in America, you so, know, right. Yeah. yeah when, when you live in the hood, you know, I, I lived in the hood, predominantly African-American, mm. not a lot of money, not mm-hmm. a lot of success, not a lot of models that we can look at to say, I want to be like this, or I could yeah. be like that. And so for me, it was trying to find a family that I never had, trying to find validation, trying to mm. find trying to find significance, even though it was negative. I said, you know yeah. what? Some negative mm. attention is better than no attention. So oh, I was yes. search for family, trying yeah. to figure out my greatest to belong to something, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But what I realized is so even though making that negative decision, if I made a different decision, we wouldn't be having this conversation we're having right now. Oh, so true there. Yeah. 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 So I, I wouldn't change anything. And it's funny because people would ask me, Mark, you know, you yeah. wouldn't go back to sexual abuse. You wouldn't change the yeah. fact that yeah, you know people who got killed or you almost got killed yourself. You wouldn't change anything. I said no, because yeah. everything that I've been through has brought me to this point. And if I went back and changed anything, it could have changed the whole trajectory of my purpose and my destiny. Ah, I so hear you on this. And I always say that. I always say, I don't wish any of my life upon anyone else. And I wouldn't change anything. Maybe some of the choices I made along that journey that were, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the other things we've talked about is out of our control. But there's things that maybe I chose But it was only from what I knew. And I think that role modeling thing is so important. I think about that as my work these, you know, in this day and age that Mm -hmm. I think it's easy for us to say things. It's not so easy for us to role model things. And I think that that's part of what we need to take up as our responsibility to go, okay, so we know the problem. We know what is happening, but are we willing to change it? Are we willing to role model something different? And I think that that, you know, as a young boy, you only knew what you knew and you could see gangs, you could see there was a sense of belonging of being in amongst all of that. There, you know, you talked about resources and not having the access to some of those things that maybe others have had. I get that. I was the kid that they said, you know what, Kira Murray, you're not going to amount to anything. You're not smart. I was dyslexic. No one knew about dyslexia at that time, Right. So even though I was really kind of brainy and amongst all of it, I just didn't relate to the way they were trying to teach me. And because Mm -hmm. of that, I stood out. I had to work really hard to get any marks, let alone good marks. Well, you know what? I think there's a lot in life that if we move it to where we are now, that we Mm -hmm. forget that maybe we want connection. Maybe we want the sense of belonging. Maybe there is this thing around significance, where do we take that into what we do now? What does that look like for you? Mm. Well, I want to go back on something that you just said. I see Mm. you talked about significance and I know that this is that this meeting between you and I is something more bigger than, than you know, the process. (laughs) And let, let me, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Yeah. Okay. Please. When I remember there was a time when I was going through in the third grade and I was just having a bad day. Just I mean, it was just a bad Mm. day. And I came into class and I was upset and it may be one of my spat. I can't even remember. But I do remember that Miss Richie brings me out into the hallway and we're talking. 
and she looks me into, she looks me in my eye, uh, Kyrie, and she says, "Mark Anthony," she said, "Your current situation doesn't have to be your future." She said, "You oh, can do become anything that you want to become." And she says, "Mark Anthony, don't you ever forget this? You are important and you are significant." Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know what the word "significant" meant. I couldn't even pronounce like "significant." That's how I said it back then. Significant. I couldn't even pronounce the word right. Yeah, but I, I hear you. that when she said it from her mouth yeah. and the look in her eyes, I know that that word significance made me feel good. It made me, it mm -hmm. gave me like the warm fuzzies and the, the butterflies in the stomach and all that stuff like that. But the significance piece, I think that I took that in my life. And when I got to a point in my life when I wanted to give up, I remembered that and I felt that. And I says that I am significant. And I said to myself, I was afraid that if I died, that I would be forgotten, that it will be like I never existed. Because a lot of the friends that I knew that yeah. grew up in the hood that end up dying, we would kind of yeah. pour a little something out for them every now and then. But then there would come a time when yeah. the conversations about them, they would cease to exist because they were forgotten. And that scared mm. me to death. And so I just wanted to make sure that this thing called life, that I earned this, that at the end of my life, I didn't want any regrets. I wanted to leave a legacy. I wanted to say to myself at the end of my life, hey, you know what? Your life wasn't perfect, but you gave it your very best shot because I would rather fail than not even try. Yeah, and me too. I bet it never was, you know? So was kind of some of the things that kind of motivated me to want to push past the arduous yeah. trauma that I was going through, the negative future environment that I was a part of. I wanted to be something different. Didn't know how yeah. I was going to do it, but didn't know that God had already created me to be something mm -hmm. more than what I saw myself becoming and what I saw myself being in the moment. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because significance, where is it? that peace between significance and ego where is it that significance and presence like i think there's you know here's three powerful words and then you add in the mix power because i think you know there's many that want to be significant mm -hmm. and use that in an egotistical way that creates a power that is not beneficial to other human beings then there is significance that is used in a way that when you walk in the room, that there's a presence about you. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you've got this massive ego. There's just something different about you. There's something mm -hmm. that I want to know more about what they're about because I can't put my finger on it. But as they walk around, as they speak, there's something that I, I need to connect with that. Right. What do you see that as? How do you define that? What does that look like for you? Well, you know, I, it's interesting that you asked that question because mm. I think that when you look at significance, well, well first of all, I personally believe that mm. we're here for two reasons. I believe that we're here to discover our purpose, or I call it the RFB, the reason for being. So I mm. think we're here to our reason for being and our purpose. And once we discover what we're here to do, then we are to serve on purpose. Hmm, I love that. To the world. So 
So I think that people could take the significance piece and they can use it for good or they can use it for right. for evil. You know, I, I've met Correct. people who have a good significance, but their ego, oh my God, the ego is just so big. It's like, you can't even see it. But I've also seen people who walk into a room mm. and they light up the room because I believe it's their energy. I believe it's that aura that's coming out of them, the yeah. significant purpose that just radiates out of them, but the ego has gone and those people are there to serve. So mm. I've really tried to work on Marie being more service-minded, being yeah. more of a person that lives mm. a life that says, you know, what am I here to do and how can I be a greater service to humanity? And yeah, I, I love live that. by peace. I live by purpose. I believe that yeah. when you understand that what your purpose is, life becomes much more enjoyable. The other P mm. is when you understand your purpose, you can live life with passion. And so many people are angry. They're not living life with passion. And then when you understand your purpose and you live life with passion, I tell people to make sure that whatever you do, you have unforgettable presence, purpose, mm. passion, presence. So when you walk into a room, you're not there to, at, for ego. You walk into the room to say, how can I serve this room? What can I do yeah. to make this environment better? And that's yes. how I kind of live my life, you know? Now, there, now, I will admit, there was a part of my life when it was all about the ego. When I first started becoming a professional speaker, I thought I had to be like Les Brown and Michael Beckwish and all these people. <laughs> and, and I thought it was all about the money and the ego and the status and the cars. Look at what you buy. Look yeah. at my suit. And look at me, 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 me. Honestly, that's in many cases what it is. Yeah. And what they yeah. teach and what is role modeled, right? If we go back to that word. But I was humble. Kyrie, I went to do a speech for a group of foster kids at a summer camp. I didn't get paid for it. And I'm driving up a couple hours to this spot. And I get there and I, I was just in a, I had a bad attitude that day. I just had a bad attitude. <laughs> I wasn't getting paid. Didn't want to be there. I wanted yeah. to be there. But I didn't. Um, for free. Okay. Yeah. So I go in and I start talking to these foster kids. Now, these were foster kids whose parents had either overdosed or died in prison. So all these kids have lost their parents. So I'm in there talking to these kids about purpose and about significance and about becoming a champion. And I gave all these kids a, a CD I was given at the time. And it was called Discover the Champion Within. So when I left the summer camp, I drove back home. My, my wife was like, how'd it go? I was like, ah, it's a waste of time. And there were some kids there. I passed them CDs. They didn't pay me. Da, 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 da. So about three weeks go by. And I get a letter from this kid named Peyton. And he and I built a great relationship in this workshop. So I open up the letter and it says something to the fact, Mr. Garrett is Peyton. Hope you remember me. I just want to let you know that I've been listening to your CD and it's really moved me and it's really motivated me. But unfortunately, I got in trouble and I'm in juvenile detention. He says, but I just want you to know that every time I would listen to your CD, I would get motivated. But when I didn't listen to it, I will become unmotivated. <laughs> Garrett, I want you to know that it was your CD that kept me from committing suicide. And in that moment, Kyrie, yeah. life hit me and I was humbled and I cried like I never cried before. And my wife comes in and she asked me what happened. And I explained the situation. And in that moment, I realized that my purpose on life and my speaking, the gift that God has given me, wasn't for yeah. ego, it wasn't for fame, it wasn't for fortune. It was to reach kids like him who used to be a kid like me. Yeah. And it just it just rocked my whole soul. And for the first time in my life, I understood that I was here to serve and not to shine. And my my life has been different ever since.
In what way? In the fact that I understand why I'm here. I understand mm-hmm. that that being a professional speaker is not just about jumping up on stages. This is about enhancing yeah. and potentially saving lives. That's what it's all yeah. about. This is why we do what we do. And w- once I realize that, then my perception of speaking change, my perception mm-hmm. of why I was on this planet change, my perception of what I could do before I depart from this life, it changed. Yeah. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when I leave this place, whenever that is, that I'll, mm. the earth will be better because of my presence. Mm. Okay, so that to me is ownership, just what yeah. you've said there, right, yeah. as an individual. But then I think it, there's this ownership in which, you know, we need to take ownership of how we do that as a collective mm-hmm. and then how that has, a you know, and you say the earth is going to be different because you've been here. What does that, that look like? What is that? Why is it going to be different? Well, you know, it's funny that you asked that. I think it's going to be different. Well, I think it's already different because the young man that would have committed suicide, he's still breathing. Yeah. He's still living. And what is in his purpose? What is Mm. he supposed to do? But without me being in that place Mm. at that particular time for me to say what I needed to say to reach his spirit, to keep him from doing that, it would have never happened. So I think that the legacy is, it looks like how many other people's lives have we enhanced to the point where they can now become enhancers. And it's kind of like that mm-hmm. ripple effect, you know, because I can't control yeah. what other people do, but I can't control what I do. And if I know that every day that I wake up, that I'm trying and I'm striving to make the world a better place. I'm okay with that. I love that. I love everything you're saying there. And I totally agree that as an individual, we have to take ownership of what we are doing because Mm -hmm. we can't control what other people are doing. But I do believe that as we take ownership of what we are, purpose, our legacy, all those things that you speak of, that every decision we make actually does have an impact on the earth, on the world going forward. And I always talk about the fact that, you know, as an individual, we take ownership. Then as a collective, you know, like as in what you're building out and what you're doing, who that domino effect in your own sphere of influence, what that looks like. And then as a global space going, you know, what you're doing over there, what I'm doing over here, what, you know, George down the road's doing, Mary down the road, you know, as a collective, that's actually bringing what is happening across the global space. And if you think about what is happening on the global space, you know, there's a lot of problems right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would love to think that we are part as a collective of actually bringing solution to the table. How do you see what you're doing is going to narrow that gap from problem to solution across the globe. Well, you know, it's interesting because I personally believe that it will narrow that problem through me Mm. impacting more people because the more people that that I can impact, it narrows that problem even more. So I understand that. And what I would love to think is here's the thing. You're Mm -hmm. one person. I'm one person. Mm-hmm. there's a limit to what we can do as individuals. But as a mm-hmm. collective, 
I believe there's so much more that we can achieve and do it in a bigger and more impactful way. How do you see we could do things like that? You know, absolutely. I agree with what you just said, because when I look at my third grade teacher, Miss Ritchie, who's no longer here. Right. I believe that when she came into my life and she served me, Mm. this little black inner city kid that people said would never be anything that was abused and had self-esteem issues. She was able to sew into me. Mm. And then I was able to take what she gave me to become the person I am. And now this is one more person that has yes. been added to the global collective of individuals yes. who yes. think like exactly. you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then for yeah. what I do through raising my five boys the right way, teaching them how to be good, strong men by mm, being a good man myself by being a professional speaker and putting out great content into the world, there have been a plethora of individuals over my 25 years of doing this that have come back and said, hey, Mark, you know what? Mm. I thought about what you said and you inspired me. I want to go back to school. Or, hey, Mark, I was thinking about giving up. I was thinking about committing suicide. I don't want to do that anymore. Hey, Mark, you know what? I'm 65 years old. I never thought I can go back to college, but I've always wanted to work with kids and make a difference Mm. in the world. I think that the more we do what we're here to do, yeah. purpose, understanding purpose is so important. And then we serve on that purpose. That's how I think we can help grow the global collective. And then, of course, this is how we met. I never met you all. <laughs> I know. You know on your show, and you're yeah. in Australia, I'm in America. But mm. because of what we do in the universe, attracting us together to continue yeah. to push this global initiative of peace and harmony yes. and hope and love and making a difference. This is how it's done. Yeah. But if you weren't in your consciousness and I wasn't, would we be doing this? Yeah, I agree. And I think there's even more that we can do. And I think that there's more. But, you know, like a lot of problems that are happening across the world is bringing more division. So actually widening that gap between problem to solution And sometimes even having conversation, even if we disagree on here, it can be then taken, blown away, and then, you know, become really yuck. Honestly, like we have so many different conversations on here. We've got a lot of alignment here because obviously there's a lot of things that we can really relate to in our Mm -hmm. past, in what Mm -hmm. we do and how we live. Like I can see it from our conversation already, right? I often have conversations on here where I really don't relate to anything that they're saying except that I'm a human being, they're a human being, and they still want good in where they're heading and what they're wanting to do. And I think that there's so many perspectives that we need to take on board, that we need to listen to. We need to start, you know, going, well, what are you learning over there, Mark? What am I learning over here and go, how can we bring that together in more of an effective way that then looks at the problems and go, you know what? I hear what Mark's doing over there. Maybe we should try this over here. I don't know. I feel like a conversation is a start to things. I wonder where it can go from there. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because Mm. I think it's all about choice. Where do we want to take it from here? You know, there's a man that sits that's on your shelf behind you, uh, mm-hmm. the book called Mandela. And yeah. when I when I look at Mandela and I think about Mandela, I don't know if I could have been as strong as he was, 
Mm. All that time in prison just because you think different or you want to free your people. But what I realized about Mandela is that Mandela didn't go through his adversity. He Mm. grew through his adversity. So you don't go through adversity. You grow through it. So Mandela, through all that pain and suffering that he went through, look at what happened when he was released, Mm. how his, his release shifted the whole planet. That there were people who were and kids who were like, oh, my God, how can a guy stay in prison for all these years and come out and become president? How was that possible? Because he mm. understood the bigger picture. He understood the sacrifice. He understood that the pain and suffering that he went through wasn't for him. It was for them. Mm. And those yeah. them that were out there, those were for generations yet unborn. There are kids who were even alive when Mandela was doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm benefit off of his presence on this planet through how we live this life. So the residue that is left behind yes. science guys, so they call it carbon dating. They can take a fossil and from the carbon dating, they can determine <laughs> how old it is. That residue Mandela left behind still lives. Mm. It was only one person. So was Mother yeah. Teresa. So was yeah. Gandhi. You know, and I see you got Steve Jobs behind there and, and, and uh, mm. I think Michelle Obama. I mean, so you look at these people that's actually Mark. Uh, that's actually Mark from um, Salesforce. I really love the role model he's doing within the okay, culture gotcha. of. So it's not Steve Jobs. Yeah, okay, Jobs, I, it looks like Steve Jobs from here, but I'm. It's, yeah, I'm looking through some glasses here. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really love the culture he builds out, but you know, there's like anyone that they're, they're humans, and you know, there's things as humans where we all make failures. We all do things. We make some decisions that are really awesome and others that are not. Like I just love what they've done with what they've learnt and and created in that way. And I think every one of us has the opportunity to be able to do that. But I think also what is powerful is if you look at what they're doing, they don't do it on their own. Like they may be one individual with an amazing vision, but they actually have an amazing collective around them that Mm -hmm. goes, you know what, I'm behind that vision. I'm behind seeing, I too want to leave behind a legacy that is leaving footprints behind, not just for this generation, but the generations to come to springboard Mm -hmm. off, right? Right. And I think if we can not just be thinking about us as individuals, but us as a collective, how can we be the hope for the future for the generations? Because I think there is, otherwise we're leaving behind quite a destructive world. You Mm -hmm. think about the environment, there's a lot of things that we could be doing to help make sure that we're leaving behind an environment that is going to be beneficial for humans going forward. And I don't mean just the environment as in the earth. Mm -hmm. I mean, in our businesses, in our organizations, I mean, the culture that we're creating as a human culture outside there. If you look at social media, there are many things being said that are not necessarily going to be beneficial for humans going forward. Yet the world is listening to it. How do we role model things that are going to be different and give hope to? As a collective, I think if we can join together to bring more hope together, then we're going to shift that dial forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now it sounds grandeur, but so did some of these stories behind me. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. I personally feel... Yeah. That as we continue doing what we're doing, I think that we must be the greatest role models that we can be. 
And that's yeah. all we can do. And I think that we also have to be willing to elevate and continue mm. to elevate to higher stages of consciousness. Because I'm 52. Yeah. But the way I think at 52 was not how I thought at 42. Yeah, 52. me too. And I'm 42. not 52 yet, but I'm getting closer. You, yeah, you're in the 50 club, so hey. You're, I'm you're, not yet. Don't put me not. in there yet. I, I haven't got there 50. yet. I'm still in the 40s club. I thought you said you were 50. Okay, no, so I said I'm getting there, but I'm not quite there. So, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I think that as we continue to evolve, I think if we are always operating at a higher state of consciousness and saying to ourselves, how can I get better? How can I get more open? What more can I do? And when you talk about hope, that's, I mean, in how we grew up, I think that's all we had was hope. And But hope means to me, two different definitions. The first mm. meaning, H-O-P-E, hope means helping other people excel. And the other meaning is helping one person every day. Oh, every day, I love that. Helping other people excel and helping one person every day. Every day that I wake up, I ask myself, how can I shift my consciousness so that my being is benefiting the planet? Because I think it's all about energy, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think that all we can do is what we can do. But I think that when we understand that there's a deficit and in the world in which we live is right now, there's a huge deficit. COVID-19 the civil yeah. unrest, all the stuff that's happening, yeah. I still believe in the power mm. of the human spirit. I don't care if we have the apocalypse. I would never doubt the spirit of the human spirit. You know, I, I'll never doubt that because I believe that we have the capacity and the ability to shift consciousness through a simple decision. Yeah. That's why I love this whole thing, the decision table. Yeah, Table life is in front of you. It has a variety of opportunities. What will be your decision to live your best life possible? I, I love that because guess what? My whole thing is what if we come to the decision table and we use the lens of humanity as stakeholders mm -hmm. as a starting point? Absolutely. See, here's the thing. Every one of us has a story. Every one of us brings our distinctions to the table. I don't talk about diversity because I think there's a negative side of that. And I love the fact that we come with distinctions, you know, like, but here's the thing. I also think that when we come to the decision table, we come as humans first. Imagine that. So here's the thing, that that be, means that there's an even playing field to start growing on what we can. We come as humans first, but we need to bring our distinctions to the table. I love it. And so imagine if every decision that's being made is looking through the lens of humanity as stakeholders where, for me, that means that we're either adding value to humanity going forward or we're taking away from. So is every decision that we're going to make going forward going to add value or take away? Mm, I love it. And so I so resonate with what you just said before. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. So this here's awesome. the thing. This is awesome. It is, is awesome. Hot. But okay, if anyone wants to know more about what you do and find out what you, what, how's the best way to, for them to connect? I need to put that piece in before we go on. Okay. Well, they want to reach out to me directly to know more about yeah. what I do, my speaking, whatever. They can they can call me. So I'll be that number. I'm in the U.S. But my U.S. number is area code is 614 732 3568 614 732 3568 or 
they can go to empowermemark.com. Mm. Perfect. Love that. All right. So it has come to that part of the show where I do ask one question the same on every show. And it's this. What are you taking from our conversation today? What I'm taking from this conversation is that it reminds me that there are still good people on the planet, hmm. that there is still hope, that despite how negative things are in your personal life or in the world upon which we live, that there are still people out there who are striving for excellence. There are still people out there who believe in the impossible. There are people out there like yourself who say, I see what's going on. I see the deficit. I can't change the whole world, but I'm going to do yeah. something. So what you've yeah. given me, what I'm taking away is even a more expanded variety of hope. There's no doubt in my mind that you and I are going to do more work together. I don't know in what capacity, yeah. Yeah. how, but I'm walking mm. away hopeful and I'm walking mm. away with a greater sense of self-efficacy. I'm walking away more resilient than when I started the conversation, but I'm also walking away with the absolute belief that I'm at the right place at the right time. I love that. If you were talking to that, I can't remember what age you were, but the age where you chose to walk into, into the life of gangs and drugs and things like that, if you were able to speak to that child today, what would you say to that child that had that, was about to you know, get to that crossroad in life? I would tell them that they are significant. I will tell them that their life isn't a mistake that they're here for something bigger than themselves, that they have a purpose in life. And I will look at them and I will tell them that I love them and that mm -hmm. I believe in them and that they are the greatest thing that could ever happen to them and to never give up and don't quit. That's yeah. what I would And I would hug them. I would give them a yeah. big hug. Yeah. Which in a lot of cases, we're not allowed to do that right yet. But anyway, yeah. that's another conversation. Tell me, how can we, you know, I love how you said I would show them and I'd tell them that I love them. How can we show other humans that we love them without being creepy? Well, I think we do that through our actions. I think mm -hmm. we, we can say it without saying it all the time, through how we treat people, through mm -hmm. how we think, through our own beliefs. And yeah. through our actions. And th this is why I love and respect what you do, because mm. you have the decision table, but you made the decision to do this. And you've been, for what I hear, you've been doing this for a long time and mm. you're changing people's lives. You're shifting people's lives, even though your life wasn't a bed of roses either. But yeah. you took that negative situation and you flipped it and you stand on it and to say, hey, look, I've been the hell and back, but I didn't quit. Mm. I'm still here. And if I can do this, you can do this. So I think you're a great example hmm, of everything you're you. talking, everything you're thank preaching. You're living everything you're talking about because you made yeah. the decision to be better and to be great. Mm. You know, I think, thank you. I actually really appreciate that you, you say that because one of the things that I've really learned as I've got older is that everything that I say, you know, we may have learned things ourselves through our resilience, through our story, through learning, through our growth, all those things. And so we start going to others, you know, this is so important that you do this and feel this. And I, 
And again, it goes back to on the other side of it that we see lots of problems and you know it's really easy to whinge about problems it's really easy to complain that oh this is never going to change and i go okay good now what are you going to own with that how are you going to do that and i one of the things that i've done in the you know and particularly in the last few years of my life is really take ownership of okay i'm saying that this is you know there is solutions to it Okay, I say that there is power to collaboration, that as a collective we do this. So how am I now role modeling that in what I do as a business, what I do as a human being, how I turn up, how I have relationships with people, the conversations I'm having. And it goes back to that exact thing that we've talked about earlier in this conversation around the fact that, you know, you took detours in life because that was what was role modeled around you. And I think if I can help even one person not to take that detour because I've role modeled that it is possible to do the impossible in what many eyes it is, then I've lived a great day today and I can live tomorrow and breathe another day. So thank you for recognizing that because that is something that I've worked really hard to actually put into my life as well. I want to say what I've learned from today. I loved how you said hope. And, you know, can you do that? What was the first hope? The first hope was helping other people excel. And then okay, the stop there. One, wait on, wait on, wait on. Hoping other, uh, helping other people excel. I love that. That means that not only can you excel, but you're serving other people to excel. And for me, you know, always being reminded of our fact that we're not just here to serve ourselves. Mm-hmm. In fact, we're actually here to serve others. And I think that makes all those things that were part of our old story so worth going through that. Gotcha. So we can serve at this level that we're serving at right now. But I also love the fact that when you say that, helping other people excel, it means that for me to do that and to role model that, I've got to keep stepping up myself, stretching myself to other levels so that I can help others to excel at other levels too. And so that was a beautiful reminder of that and an encouragement that I'm on the right pathway on that. So thank you for that. And then I love the next bit, which was the hope. Tell me that one. Yeah, the other one, hope, H-O-P-E, helping one person every day. Yeah. I think that, you know, every one of us can choose to help one person Mm -hmm. to excel Mm -hmm. every day, right? One person, to serve one person, to reach out to one person. That's so doable in every one of our lives. And, you know, it it doesn't mean that we have to be the next Mandela. It doesn't mean that we have to have the platform of Michelle Obama. It means that we have the Mark Anthony platform, the Kiri Marie app platform, and that we can each day choose to go, you know, one person, mm-hmm. one reach out, serve, help, whatever that looks like. Right. So thank you for that. Thank you thank for that you. reminder. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your, your learning and the fact that you didn't press that gun that day because that takes guts. I remember standing by a cliff 
And I actually went back to that same spot that I would stand many times and go, I'm just going to jump over that cliff. And I went back there several years ago for the first time and just tears pouring down my face going, wow, if I'd done it that day, imagine the lives that I wouldn't have been able to change one person at a time yeah, or whatever. And I just go, thank you for not pushing, you know, not pushing, what, what is it, clicking, no, you know what I mean, with the gun oh. because lives are, you know, being changed yeah. from that little boy that could have committed suicide but he didn't because you had a different story that you chose to live. And I don't think, you know, from one other human to another, I don't think that often we recognize in the other person how much you've had to work through to bring what you bring today. And I thank you for doing that work because it isn't easy. And when you've had a lot of hurt, when there's been a lot of pain as your old story, disrupting those patterns are actually not always an easy thing. So from one other human that has had to do it to another human, thank you for doing that work. Thank you for continuing to be who you are. And thank you for not giving up on yourself. Wow. Well, you're, you're welcome. That means a lot. You know, I've just really strived through my life just to be better and become better. Mm. And just to make the world a better place and know that that's what the creator has designed me to do. And that, that's what I'm going to do. I, it doesn't mean that every day isn't that every day is easy because it's not. Yeah. I still have problems and trials and tribulations, ups and downs, peaks and valleys. But the one yeah. thing about it is I'm never going to quit. I'm yeah. not getting- Here's the thing, just as we finish, what's something that you do on a daily basis? I know that my daily routine is so important for me to be able to be who I am every day and turn up the best I can. Because like you say, there are challenges. It's not red roses. We're not saying, oh, we've done all this and now we live a happy, happy life. It's, you know, every day we've got to choose to live our best day. Right. What's something that you do that helps maybe you but will help others that are listening as well? Well, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I give thanks. Mm. Uh, I give thanks to God, thanks to the universe mm. for allowing me to wake up because there are many people who just don't wake up. So mm. the fact that we wake up and we wake up and we don't have, have a tag on our toe, that, that's a pretty good day. I mean, it, it's a good day. So when I wake up, I give thanks to God, thanks to the universe, and I'm alive. And I ask God in the universe, I says, show me how mm. I can be of greater service today. Yeah. How can I be of greater service today? And I put that intention in my mind, and that's what Mm -hmm. I strive for for that day. How can I be better today than I was yesterday? Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. And I think if we wake up and we just we give gratitude, because I think so many times we we complain about all the stuff that we don't like and all the bad things is happening and and this and that, but we don't thank ourselves for the things that we have. The yeah. fact that we can breathe, the fact that we can look out the window, the fact that we can see, the fact that we can, yeah. the fact that we can take, I mean, just the little things like that, that we take for granted mm. things and be grateful for what you have and don't live life like this. And yeah. what I mean is, is being selfish so because when you have both of your hands shut. Life can't bless you. Your heart and your, and your hands and your life has to be open 
so that life can bless you so that you can bless other people. And on that note, I'm going to finish this broadcast, but don't you run away. All right. That's amazing. That's Thank beautiful. You. Thank you. It's been an honor. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.